Hey folks, welcome into Ont Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Going to talk some Cubs today. And, I don't know, not to be too like dismissive of the rest of the season, because of course there are still two months remaining. But it's kind of like, so we had the trade deadline. Everything that was leading up to the trade deadline was its own version of a discussion. And then you had the immediate fallout from the trade deadline that that you sort of have to discuss and and now we're kind of into that mode where it's like okay what what is the rest of this season going to be for us as cubs related podcasters uh but also obviously just for the cubs and i don't think it's a i don't think it's a huge mystery that the the cubs are going to want to use this window of time for player development purposes for information gathering purposes I think it was um, pretty on point that the return of Nick Madrigal to the big league team um, is is being discussed by David Ross entirely as like, a, you know, we just kind of want to get him set before next year. You know, it's like there, there's no longer any sense of, um, I'm not saying they don't care about the wins and losses, but like everybody knows that the performance of individual players from here on out is about the future and those players' individual goals and how they impact the team's planning in the offseason and et cetera, et cetera. And I think to that end, we want to get into some of the pitching development stuff, um, not because it's, it is um, more important than the positional side, but I think because it's been maybe less discussed at the upper levels of the system um, and also because it was a clear focus for the Cubs in the draft at the trade deadline and in a lot of um, discussion that's been coming out about what the Cubs either have or haven't done with their pitching uh, development infrastructure, including a great piece that you can read at The Athletic that we will maybe use as the foundation for this discussion. Basically, the, the shorthand version of the question that sets all this up is, are the Cubs actually getting better at, at pitcher identification and development, or is it just kind of window dressing? Go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I think we've been intrigued by since the changes happened, right? We've, we've all read or kept tabs on other organizations kind of with the forward-looking uh, concepts in player development and it was probably 10 years ago that there were people in front offices that kind of laughed at player development right like like that's that's like the least important thing it's you got to be able to identify the talent if you don't if you can't identify the talent uh, you know player development doesn't really matter and, and you just need to go get good players and have good scouts and stuff like that that philosophy is completely changed right player development is hugely important uh whether it, it whatever the issues were before the Cubs made significant changes and it, you know I think it's starting to pay dividends uh, especially on the pitching side just in the mere fact that there are names that you can talk about and say these guys have major league quality stuff there are names that are starting to come up that have made real changes we've talked about Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele 
I, you know, for the first few months of this season, I, I'd get a lot of pushback on like, well, those guys don't matter. They're not good pitchers on, on a good team, right? They, they wouldn't be able to pitch on a good team. I don't, you know, I think part of it is, yeah, maybe in April and May, they, they wouldn't be, uh, they wouldn't have been good pitchers on good teams, right? And they weren't good at certain points for the Cubs this year as starters, but like we've talked about it was it's all about growth at the major league level and you go look at Justin Steele according to fan graphs he has the like same amount of war as as guys like Frankie Montas and Tony Gonsolin and uh Miles Michaelis like those are all quality pitchers I mean Frankie Montas just got traded for a, a lot of 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 quality prospects uh and and you just I mean those are all guys that you'd want starting in a playoff game right so i i think it's there's there's we're seeing the results at the major league level but you're also seeing stuff in the minors where it's not like oh we have this great prospect in Braylon marquez and everybody's excited about him and it's like theo epstein's talking about him and jed hoyer talks about him and all the assistant gms when you go up to them it's like well Braylon marquez we finally have a pitching prospect and it's one name right and obviously, Braylon Marquez has a ton of talent, uh, hasn't pitched in a while, underwent shoulder surgery. So that it, that's a separate story. But it's it's not one player that you can point to now. Uh, some people love Caleb Killian. Some people love that they added Ben Brown. Some people love Porter Hodge. Some people love all the, there's there's names after names after names that you can mention now, whether they drafted them, whether they they traded for them, however they got them, they're able to really maximize guys stuff now uh and they're finally starting to see results i think uh patrick and i hit on this in the offseason it's like they, they need to take a step beyond just velocity gains they did a great job with velocity gains last year we're starting to see the stuff uh turn into results i mean they're they're one of the best minor league organizations when it comes to strikeout rate uh expected era which I think is a better statistic. I, I know like the expected stats can be frustrating, especially at the major league level, but it's important. I think in the minor league level, because the defense can be really bad. You're, you're like forcing guys into positions to try and see if they can stick there or just because that's a position they have to fill there. So the expected ERA, I think is important as well. They're, they're the underlying stats tell a big story here. And I think it is because of a lot of the changes they've made and, here's something that stood out to me when I was talking to people about the trades that they made someone within the organization said well we're excited about this guy not only because of what he's already done but what we think player development can do for him he everything that he needs is everything we're great at doing now that's someone in pro scouting department complimenting player development Four years ago, I was having conversations with player with pro scouting people that were like, man, I wish our player development could get us a pitcher so we didn't have to do all this work to sign pitchers year after year after year. There was like infighting within the organization and frustration between uh, different departments. That's that. I'm not saying it's a perfect organization and all is all is well and perfect harmony. But there's trust between pro scouting and player development that they'll get the job done. We, we got the talent for them. Now they're going to go do the job that needs to be done to finish this guy off. Sahadev, that was a great story in The Athletic. And simply for the purposes of podcasting, I will play devil's advocate here not to <laughs> slam your story by any means you, you? uh you no. know just you know God, just playing a role on a podcast brett you know but uh 
I, I still think of you because John Greenberg, our dear friend and colleague, whenever we write about this stuff, he'll be like, oh, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Theo said this was the year of Cubs pitching and, you know, Oscar de la Cruz. And, you know, we haven't seen Braylon Marquez since, you know, he showed up in spring training and. Uh, that's that's Aber- who I was thinking exactly, about when exactly. I wrote my lead. <laughs> I mean, Albert Alzale is, is really talented. He's has like a great attitude, um, you know. But at this point, you know, I mean, we were hearing about him in like 2018, and now I guess the hope would be that you know maybe he could be a multi-inning reliever at some point. And you know, I think maybe this is a dot too far to connect, but you know, the Cubs. <laughs> can't pound their chests about how great they are at pitching development when their you know, major league rotation has been so bad for the last two years. I'm thinking of Arietta, Zach Davies, Trevor Williams, Wade Miley. I mean, there's been a lot of whiffs here and that uh, I believe some of the commenters, people on Twitter are wondering like, you know, where's the ace? And I know you have uh, an answer to that, Sahade, but I do think it'll be interesting to see if they can – kind of break out beyond just you know power relievers who can throw like upper 90s for an inning and can they like develop something bigger and more maybe Keegan Thompson Justin Steele uh is evidence of that and again great story I can see the progress but you know if you're the Cubs now's not the time to be like taking victory laps you know what I mean because we'll see how many of these guys are healthy when they all show up for spring training next year yeah, I think, I, I mean, that's, yeah, that's devil's advocate stuff, but it's also, I think, fair. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, a couple things that come to mind from what you were saying, Mooney, and from what Sahadev was saying, uh, I think about the fact that for as many whiffs as the Cubs have had at the, at the big league level on the pitching side the last few years, one thing I noticed that's a little bit different now um, is that in years past, I guess with the last two seasons, when we come to this point in the year, we know that the Cubs need to replace X percentage of their rotation. You know, we've talked about it before, and it's like, oh boy, they're going to have to turn over two out of their five starters or three out of their five starters or whatever it is. And you instantly start thinking, how are they going to do that in free agency? And this time around, and things can change, of course, as we approach it, um, I look at, they have Drew Smiley is going to be a free agent, Wade Miley, free agent, Kyle Hendricks. We don't know what his health is going to be. Um, you could say that there are a lot of absences going to be manifesting again. But when you start looking ahead to the pitching they're going to have on the 40-man roster and some of the guys who have stepped forward this year, I actually only see like really the 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 urgent need is to maybe add one really high quality starter and then i'd feel good about this rotation i'd feel really really good whereas in years past um based on what they had available internally it was like man if they don't add at least two really good pitchers i I don't see how this is going to make any sense um so that's just one i think sort of i guess gut level feeling about where things stand on the pitching side that's that that has me feeling better um and another ties to something that zahadev said um I was thinking this morning because I was looking back at uh, Daniel Palencia's performance yesterday. He's a pitching prospect at High A South Bend. Had been out a few weeks with an ankle injury and came back. He was uh, acquired in the Andrew Chafin deal last year, 
and he came back from the injured list yesterday throwing 102 miles an hour with a slider in the low 90s. He threw, he only threw 35 pitches uh, through three innings, 27 strikes out of 35 pitches, just mind-blowing stuff, blowing guys away, and we barely heard about it at all, and we barely hear about him at all, and the reason is because there are so many legitimately interesting pitching prospects to discuss, and it made me think specifically, like you said, of Braylon Marquez, which three years ago, he was the guy who could touch triple digits, and therefore we hear about him all the time. He was the guy you could point to, and now the Cubs have this guy who's doing that, and we barely hear about him at all because the volume is just at a different level than it was a few years ago. Now, that's not proof that uh, significant success is coming at the big league level, but it is a demonstration that things are a little different now. I mean, I think that's sort of, I think that's pretty hard to argue. Um, but I'll, I'll turn it to Sahadev now because I, like Mooney said, that question about like, okay, but where's the ace? Where's the ace going to come from? You know, Keegan and Justin are interesting guys, but they're not aces. You know, why can't the Cubs develop? Why can't the Cubs develop an ace? Well, I mean, so just on, on what you were saying, like Palencia is like their, what, like their 10th best pitching prospect, right? And, and the, the, if, in all likelihood, that. he he ends up yeah, and in all likelihood, he ends up if he gets to the big leagues, he's probably a reliever, right? But you let it ride for now as long as you can, and and see if he can. Uh, like I was hearing, he was holding triple digits into the fifth inning. Uh, so if he can continue to do that and develop a third pitch, yeah, you 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 let it ride and see if everything clicks. Uh, I mean, where's the ace? Uh, the reality is, I think they need to go spend on an ace, right? Or, or trade for an ace type thing. I think that's mo what most teams do. I, I don't know, like I, where are all these teams that fill their rotation with homegrown aces, right? There are prospects that have that ceiling. And I'd say there's about six of them right now uh, that, that uh, maybe uh, you'd get a consensus on like, four or three of these guys, right? Like Daniel Espino, Grayson Rodriguez, um, Kyle Harrison. There's a, a few other guys, right? Uh, the, as far as prospects go that people are like, yeah, this guy is, is a future ace or potential ace. If he stays healthy, I think two of those guys that I mentioned are, are hurt by the way. So, so it's, uh, so there are potential aces. They're few and far between and they rarely become aces. And then there's what, like 10 that you could argue over in baseball right now that are true aces, front of the line guys. But then you you talk about like what they need to do is go out and get someone that, you know, may not be a consensus ace, but pitches like one every, you know, uh, for part of the season. Right. Because uh, yeah, Stephen Nesbitt, Andy McCullough and I did that uh, pitching thing uh before the season right there's no consensus on who's a who's a number one right there's there are there's so few and far between you talk to executives around baseball and scouts around baseball nobody agrees on who's a number one nobody thinks there's that many they all like some of them are really harsh critics and i i got one result where one person was an ace in all of baseball one and that's just, I mean, scouts are really harsh Wait, can, on this. Can I, I ask who, I the, think it, who the one was? Because there's, I, I can't remember. I have trouble I, I just, picking the, <laughs> like if I, 
I, I know I who think I even think, that was a surprise. Yeah, and like I know who not, I think uh, the best yeah. would be, but if I include like if I include Degrom, wouldn't I have to include like Scherzer? Well, anyway. No, I definitely think you're onto something. Like we saw with the VR and Simmons signings, that kind of going for bulk on these like middle class free agents or bounce back guys or crossing your fingers. Like there's a reason why those pitchers or those position players get paid a lot of money. It's because they're consistent and they can post up and you can count on them. If you keep doing these smaller signings, like eventually they add up into something significant. And I do think that whether it's a Carlos Rodon, um, you know, there are, there are interesting pitchers out there. I don't know if they rise to the level of an ace, but just a really like reliable, you know, towards the top of the rotation guy, I think would do wonders for this team and it would buy some time and, and some credibility. Um, especially since, you know, and I will give the Cubs credit for this. They do seem to be making progress in this area and Sahadev kind of nailed it of the this internal frustrations that had been building over the years of you know with within the draft room on the amateur scouting side of like okay what are we supposed to be identifying in pitchers and why is r&d so heavy-handed on some of this and then you got the player development side like what do we have to work with here and um what's our philosophy now because we (laughs) keep changing it uh every other year and then the pro scouting side feeling like every year they have to start from scratch to build a uh pitching staff and then you know you got you know joe madden or david ross or the pitching coaches like using all of april maybe into may or june of figuring out what they have on the bullpen and then theo and jed scrambling in july and trading you know someone uh like paredes to the tigers to get justin wilson wilson you know, these kind of stopgap measures over and over and over again that, you know, if you clean up this area and create that pipeline of you know, guys with great stuff and to have enough of them to withstand the Ethan Roberts, uh, you know, having Tommy John surgery basically like right after everyone writes their, you know, stories about how great it is that he made opening day. Like that's some of the, sometimes a shelf life with these guys. So you need a lot of them and it does appear to be kind of a wave forming and, you know, the Cubs can definitely, you know, build on that this offseason. Like, that's not nothing. Yeah, I think that that's a good way to frame it, too, where you even tie it back to signings like VR and Simmons. You know, it seems like we're talking about two different things, but really it's a conversation about one thing. And it's the way you can internally develop useful players that allow you to allocate bigger chunks of your financial resources to more impactful players. You know, eventually... You'd like to get to a place where the Cubs just straight up do not have room on the roster for those fringier take-a-chance signings. And I think we are getting close to that. And that, in turn, ties to something that I think it was in one of your guys' pieces recently. It was some comments from Carter Hawkins, Cubs GM, about how some of what's happening on the pitching development side, you know, you might be inclined to credit his arrival uh, because of all the success that the Guardians have had uh, where he came from, the Cleveland system. And he rightly points out that this process is a multi-year long process of identifying players, coordinating your scouting with player development to find the right guys that you can work with to 
develop expertise in, in working with guys in certain areas that it's like, okay, we've become really good at this. Now we know if we target this type of player, we can actually get a little extra edge because we can develop this guy more than another organization could. And um, things like that take years, two, three plus years. And if, if the Cubs were clicking on all cylinders right now, well, then we would only be seeing the front edge of, of what they've been able to do starting in like 2019 when the, the player infrastructure, player development infrastructure was really starting to be reformulated. Um, so that is to say things could have gone almost as well as they possibly could since that day. And we would only now just be starting to see um, the emergences that maybe we are seeing right now. So I think that's important to keep in mind too when folks, you know, if they think, gosh, I keep hearing all these great things about improvements in Cubs pitching development, but why am I not seeing it? I think part of it is just that it has a long tail. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean, I think... What's interesting is this is kind of coinciding with the Yankees revamping their pitching development, right? And the Yankees have gotten a lot of credit for that. And what they've done is they've used that to they're, – they're in win-now mode, right? And they've used that to supplement a win-now roster by getting Scott Efros and by getting Frankie Montas. They traded their top two pitching prospects in the process of doing that. Didn't have to give up either of their really good shortstop prospects uh and and i think that that says a lot that i think it, sometimes you think it takes years upon years and it, what it did it did take it took three-ish years for both groups to kind of revamp i mean i remember talking to someone with the yankees where like like do the yankees have a good pitching development system and they're like no it's a mess and and that's changed it's it's changed in like three years and what you need are the right people in place and the right systems in place and I think Craig Breslow uh, Carter Hawkins gave a lot of credit to Craig Breslow and and what he's brought to the table and and the people he's brought in and and I think they finally feel like they're in a place where uh they have a lot of good ideas in place and people are like pulling in the same direction and and the philosophies that are being implemented are are being taken by the pitchers and and they see it in a way that there are results happening. I, I think this was this stood out to me, something that was told to me that, you know, maybe early on uh, the players would be a little hesitant, players that weren't used to this type of, of, of player development system. Uh, but they, they come to them with very specific ideas for that person for specific reasons they say we believe we can do this because x y and z how your body moves how how this pitch already moves how we see you know what we see in, in with the you know certain pitches uh we believe we can do this to this pitch or add this pitch to your arsenal or whatever it is and and those pitchers started to see results and, and when those pitchers started to see results and they came to them, not just like, let's all do this and ho and see, oh, look, we, we did this to 20 guys and four of them it worked for, hooray. No, it's each individual plan. They were starting to work and at a high percentage. And, and I think when you see the results like that, pitchers start to buy and they're like, okay, I'll listen. I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. That guy's throwing five more miles per hour. I mean, guys, there, there are numerous guys whose velocity have, uh, have taken an uptick. Uh, what Patrick said is 
do we have do we have a ton of results? No, but do we, uh, is Ethan Roberts getting injured like a disaster for the system? It's like now now who's going to pitch in relief? No, they're going to bring up more guys over the next two months. We're going to see Jeremiah Estrada. We're going to see uh, Cam Sanders, who was recently converted to the bullpen. In all likelihood, we'll see these guys. Right? They need to be added to the forty man. They're about ready for the majors, uh, and they have stuff. Uh, like we just haven't seen these guys for years. So the results will start to come. The depth is being created. It doesn't have to be used as simply for uh, this guy's coming up and he's being put in the rotation and he's part of a winning club. They should be using these guys to leverage like the Yankees do soon. You'd like to see them start going into win now mode sooner rather than later. And, and I don't want to give them too much credit and say, like, all is well and all is fixed because we do need to see results. But they, they're they in a much better place. Just the fact that uh, I can't keep track of who their best pitching prospects are anymore. I just can't. Like, there's so many names. And sometimes it's all a bunch of it's all a bunch of BS, right, when you get told all these names. But then you go look at the results. Then you hear about scouting reports outside of the organization. And you're like – these guys are legit good that they're, they're really throwing like this. And then you see highlights and it's like, okay, you add it all together. Something's going right here. Uh, ultimately all that matters are wins and losses at the major league level. Uh, and they need to get that right. And, but, but it feels like this is finally headed in a really good direction. Brett, you know where all this is headed, right? The Cubs have to sign Jacob. You know, DeGrom I've been this winter, but this is, I- just saying, the I've been Trojan horsing that thing for <laughs> to set months. up for him. Actually, I've been doing it's a two pronged <laughs> attack. It's subtle stuff like, boy, I really think they've got a lot of great arms coming. It's just they just need one. I think if they just had one ace at the front, it, you know, and then you couple that with like really overt, not subliminal messages of like, sign Jacob Degrom, you fucking cowards, uh, and then you can really. Uh, you know, I think that that gets it done. No, I mean, and seriously, the, the <laughs> thing I would add to this, and then we'll wrap it from there, is it is true that if the Cubs could add a, a quality arm at the front of this rotation, I think they have a very good rotation at that point. But that's the hardest part. And uh, it could mean spending a ton in free agency. It could mean parting with some of that system depth to, to try to bring in someone in trade. But if you can do that, and then you still have that quality depth behind your rotation – a big difference between what the Cubs could have on the starting pitching side that they haven't had in a long time is guys who are at AAA, who are borderline big league caliber starting pitchers, who have options left, who can come up and take starts that are inevitably needed throughout a season. Like, think back the last several years, the guys who've been taking those backfill starts are guys that either we already knew were not going to be big league starters, or were fringe guys that the Cubs had brought in to try to reclaim. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, uh, that's that's fine. That's where they were. But now, it's like Caleb Killian might be the seventh starter next year. Hayden Wisniewski might be the eighth starter next year. I mean, they might be legit prospects that there's just not a rotation spot for at the moment who come up and fill. Because you know you're going to need seven or eight starters next year, no matter what. So, I think that's another thing just to point to the system being in a different place than it has been. I, I think it's right and fair to say we can't say that it's definitely a super strong system yet. You know, you got to kind of see more of it at the big league level, but it's different. It's definitely different. There's no question about that. 
Um, yeah, that's where we'll leave it. This was the pitching cast. Uh, it's on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. Make sure you read the pitching development piece. It's really good. Gives you a, it, it touches on a lot of what we talked about, but it's going to give you an even more holistic look at things that have been going right uh, throughout the system. So we will be back at you later this week. We didn't even mention, I suppose, the Cubs are playing the Nationals and the Reds this week. Those are baseball games, and we will <laughs> we'll look at those also. <laughs> uh, you know, just not the sexiest matchups this week, but that's all right. So thank you all for listening. Talk to you again soon. Take care.